hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. We're all here again, ready for another big episode. But before we get into the details about this upcoming forthcoming show, let's introduce everyone, the panel, the Peach and Black podcast from left to right. Toe Jam. Hello, hello. Player is here. It's all about the DNA. <laughs> and Captain. Hello. <laughs> and uh, rounding it out, MC, your host at the Peach and Black Podcast. Welcome back to another show, another episode. This is going to be another big one from our point of view. It's uh, one of our countdown shows. And this time, uh, after our uber-successful Top 20 print Songs of All Time episode, we're going into the Top 20 print Songs of the 90s. We should probably explain right up front our rationale behind doing this. Obviously, Prince has got a massive catalog of songs, you know, so, so much material to choose from, endless hits, etc. And as successful as the voting was, um, not completely surprising, the top 20 songs were mainly from the, the 80s. I think a couple of songs crept up there in 1990 off the Graffiti Bridge album. So what we've decided to do because of the fact that, you know, all the songs, uh, let's say in the top 100 are, are pretty much certified classics amongst the Prince, Prince fans in the Prince community and are all great songs in their own right. We're going into the top 20 of, you know, of the 90s decade and uh, at some point in the future, maybe we might go into... Um, you know, the the years between 2000 and 2009. But that's basically it. So these songs all got heaps of votes. Only some In some cases, only missed out the top 20 or the top 25 by, a, you know, a very small margin. Um, and, uh, you know, when we get through this list, you guys will realize more. Uh, you, you'll realize much clearer, you know, the, the rationale behind doing it. This was our most requested episode. We put it up, when we put up the first one in all the places we posted it, we, I also asked the question, you know, what do we want? To, what do you guys want to hear next? And the most popular one was, we want to hear top twenty of the nineties. So this is one of the reasons we're doing it because that's what you, the listeners, wanted to hear. <laughs> the people have voted with their feet, so we're going to give you what you want. That's right. Okay, so that's the show uh, that you're about to hear. Yep, that's it. All done. Done. And number the number one track was. Anyway. Uh, the, there are a couple of other things we should mention. Uh, our last show went down <laughs> like a ton of bricks. It landed on Earth and was listened to by um, all our fans, which we we just want to say a big shout-out and a big thank you for all our listeners. Obviously, we've been around for a little while now, close to two years, and what, what better way than to finish, virtually finish off our second year with a massive show about um, all the shenanigans that happened in New York a little while ago. And, of course, a massive, huge, humongous thanks to Prince and his people. Thank you very much for uh, setting everything up and taking us through everything in New York and allowing us uh, a little window of opportunity into the Purple Universe. And, obviously, thank you, but also thank you from the fans because we've received a lot of feedback from people... um, you know, with private messages, forums, all sorts of things. Um, the, the Prince websites and forums went, went absolutely crazy. They went berserk. Um, lots of comments. and lo- sure lo- did. <laughs> lots, lots, of in- lots of debate over the copyright. 30 years, 35 years, 50 years. Yeah, lots of debate <laughs> over m- yeah. much of what was said, uh, what we discussed. But look, it's all in good fun. Some of it's tongue-in-cheek. Um, all I'll say it- that is the episode's still there, and it's it's still out there for anyone to listen to. So take that how you want to take it. 
that's about it on that. We don't really want to say too much more uh, on that show, but um, better believe it when we say that there are plenty of more surprises in store for 2011, and without giving away too much, I'm just going to say, hold on to your wigs, bring your foot spray, because it's about to get funky, and it's about to get a little different on the Peach and Black podcast, but we'll save that for another episode further down the line. So that's that. Let's get into the show, moving right along into the top 20 Prince songs of the 1990s, as voted by you. One other thing we should probably clarify as well. This is a pain to try and sort out this list, because... We know that no matter how we sort this list out, there's going to be people saying, well, technically that song shouldn't have been in there. Technically this one should have been blah, blah, blah. This is the list how we see it. So these are the songs that we see as being 90 songs. You may or may not disagree for various reasons, but too bad. <laughs> does that make sense? <laughs> that does <laughs> make sense. Because, you know, there's you, going to be... You, there's you a, tell there's, them, Toe Jam. Clearly, <laughs> when you've got an artist like this, Prince who records so much, there's going to be songs that... Parts of it were recorded in different decades. Yeah. Parts were released in different decades. Yeah. So it's a real tough one to sort of narrow this down to top 20, 90. So we'll just say this is how we see it. These songs that we have put in there, we see these songs as 90 songs. You may see them differently. Uh, you may think there's other songs that should have been in there. But like I said, this is how we see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just to clarify, if, if something was pretty much recorded in the 80s and released in the 90s, we've taken it out. Yeah, look, I, 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 I'll side with you guys there. It hasn't been easy. And it was a mammoth vote as well. So, you know, it's, again, I, I, I keep wanting to clarify, it's a bit of fun anyway. I mean, really, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a, a vote that we did, and, yeah. and and that's all it was. It was just... MC, people's lives are at stake here. <laughs> Not ours, I yeah. Okay, so uh, let's get into the show. 20 to 1, as we always do. Let's start off with the 20th greatest Prince song from the 90s era. Take it away. The code word is bongo. (laughs) Take it away, bongo. Oh, that would be me. Okay, getting off my little clarification before. This is one of the tracks I'm talking about. Number 20 is a song that is one of the last songs of an album. It's kind of a a seminal moment of one of his movies. This song is is, uh, featured in one of his movies, and obviously that's giving it away because there's only one movie of his from the 90s. It was originally intended for the original Rave Unto the Joy Fantastic uh, configuration, but that, of course, sort of molded into Graffiti Bridge, which I'm sure you've guessed by now. This song was originally recorded all by Prince on his own, uh, but then he got the uh, the Steels, the um, backing vocalists, to come in and, and add their thing, and I think they really added a, a nice gospel feel to this song. I don't know. This one's kind of a strange one. Whenever I see it on the forums, it's, it always gets a mixed response. Obviously, the, the people liked it a bit more than I was expecting, and I like the song as well. It's a bit of an oddity for Prince, I think, this one. Hmm. And uh, has anyone guessed it yet? It's a ballad. It's a gospel song. Would it be Still uh, Would Stand All Time? It would be. Still would stand all time. Ah, there you go. <laughs> you got it. You got it in <laughs> one, go. player. Awesome. It's one of my favorite songs. Uh, it's not a bad song. It's pretty good, but you really have to be in the mood for it to, yeah. to listen to it. Yeah. Graffiti Bridge was probably like the third Prince album that I ever bought. Ah. So I, I listened to it about a billion times. Okay. It's a, it's a good album. That's a song he needs to pull out like now. Hmm. How good would that be? Oh, like She's Always in My Hair. <clears throat> Moving on. Also interesting that it's one like following the tradition of the first top twenty show in that it, it wasn't released as a single, so get some more credit yeah. for that, I suppose. Cool. Are we done on that? 
And also, too, like the Purple Rain movie, it was kind of like the Turning Point song in that movie. It's just around the corner. What the van? (laughs) 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 Wow. Okay. Shall we move on to track number 19, the 19th greatest song of the 1990s? Take it away, whoever's got it. This song starts off with some samples from some earlier songs. I Want to Be Your Lover, Controversy. Anyway, this song was written by Prince, obviously, and Tony M, my 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 friend, my friend Tony M. There was a there was a cover version of this song, really performed by Bart Simpson. Ah, that one. Yep. And it was recorded, and it was going to be on the Simpsons' The Yellow Album. It was called... Uh, anyway, that was never released, probably because it wasn't approved, is my guess. I wonder why. This was released September 29th as a single in the year of 1992. Uh, it was a top 10 hit in the UK, got up to number 7, uh, just made it into the top 40 in the USA. And it was an interesting song because it was about his name, which he then changed very shortly after this came out. What song could I be possibly talking about? My name is Prince. My name is Prince. <laughs> no. No, it is an interesting one, actually, because I always wonder is when he wrote this, was he already, did he already have it in his mind about changing his name? Or was it the fact that he'd done the song? Then he's like, well, I'm not going to be Prince anymore. I always find that kind of curious that he had this obsession mm-hmm. with what what's his name is, and sort of it all started with my name is Prince. And then at the and the at the end of that album, he's like, my name will be Victor. And how many people were going around saying his name is name's Victor? Victor, yeah, that's right. I think <laughs> it was, was a strange hilarious. song. Like if it was his debut album, and this was the song on it, it's kind of like introducing himself to the world. But he, like he was, you know, <laughs> so far into his career, and then he's saying his name is Prince, and then the ne- by the next album, he changed his name. So mm. it's kind of strange. But I, I heard that the inspiration behind this song was from um, LL Cool J's Mama Said Knock You Out. Hmm? So Really? Yeah, I think he heard that song and then was inspired to write this song in kind of like a similar vein. So It definitely kind of carries on from like Get Off and that kind of, he's trying to tap into that yeah. sort of early 90s gangster hip-hop. rap kind of thing, hip hop, yeah. yeah. Mm. It, it, that's got a cool bass running through it. How hilarious is the um, Michael Jackson scream impersonation? Mm. After every line, you've got this breath and this grunt, which it it cannot be anything but, you know, imitating him. Yeah. As far as I can tell. It's almost a piss take on some levels. Mm. Yeah. And then there's the lines about... Well, you've got to be a prince prince before you're a king. King. You've got to be a prince before you're king anyway. Uh, And that could be as much about Elvis Presley or anything, really. Yeah. Or anything, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that song, and oh, don't forget the classic rap, <laughs> best rap. All right, let's go to track number eighteen, the eighteenth greatest track from the nineteen nineties, is a song that no. was almost never released. That kind of gives it away, doesn't it? Um, it was almost never released, and it was included. <laughs> that could be any song. <laughs> <laughs> it was included on an album, but on a different configuration of that particular album. And if I haven't said too much already, this song was actually recorded at some point during the year 1998, supposedly. Um, there is footage on a, a video release of Prince 
um, either recording this or recording a version of this song, and it's only an excerpt, a snippet of this performance. Um, he's joined in that video by an ex-member of a uh, UK <laughs> British female pop group. Um, and what else can I say about this song? Well, if this doesn't give it away, I don't know what does. Uh, it was played at the sound check on the 24th of October in Sydney, 2003. Probably the greatest ever performance of this song, or one of at least. I can only be talking about... Beautiful Strange. Exactly. <laughs> strange, beautiful. Beautiful Strange. That's yeah. it. That's song number 18. And just a couple of quick notes I've got here about this song is, is the atmospheric-ness of, yeah. of, the, of the entire track. It's got a really atmospheric intro and build-up. This is the kind of song that really simmers into its own, and it um it sets itself up, builds up really, really nicely. The, the vocals are kind of laid back and subtle, but they're very purposeful, and they're, they're, there's definitely a, a point to the delivery, so I really like that. The bass line in this song is, is really, really cool, and it, it really it underpins the rest of the track until towards the end. He just comes through with, with some brilliant screams and some really cool reverb and echo on the voice and on all the instruments and filtered guitar effects and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to say, before we move on, or if anyone else has anything to say about this song, um, in the liner notes to Rave Into the Joy Fantastic, the remix album, it actually says that Mike Scott plays the guitar solo. Mm. The actual solo or background guitar? The solo. Guitar solo, solo. Mike Scott. And, you know, I've heard this... I would say hundreds of times I've heard Beautiful Strange. It's constantly on rotation on all sorts of playlists that I do, the version from Rave Into. And even though the liner notes say Mike Scott, it sounds so much like Prince. Like, I've never heard Mike Scott play those sorts of scales or in that mode. Uh, It sounds like Prince to my ears, eh? So, yeah, I wonder why... That's no discredit to Mike Scott, obviously. No, 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 I just think Mike Scott has a different sound. That's right. A different tone. Oh, it's just, I think it's just Prince giving him some credit. So. Hmm. Could be. Uh, I'll say this about this song. I actually really prefer the video version. I'm not a big Bitches. fan of that, of the distorted guitar solo on Rave Into. It's all right, but I actually prefer the real simpler laid-back version on um, uh, the Beautiful Strains VHS. I think that's a really smooth track. And I think um, this song, to me, is sort of the, uh, the younger brother or, uh, of um, Joy and Repetition. They're very similar, these two songs. Um, similar yeah. kind of vibe, similar chord progressions, uh, kick-ass guitar solos when he does it live. Um, they're kind of brother and sister songs to me, but they're both equally amazing, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the yeah. thing that stands out for me with this track when it was released in 98 was Madonna had that song, Beautiful Stranger, and he had Beautiful Strange. And like online, there was just like all this debate how Madonna and Prince bring out like a similar titled mm. song at the exact same time. So, um... It's a great song, but moving on to track number 17 on this list. The 17th greatest track of the 90s. This was intended to be released as a single, but was cancelled because it didn't receive enough airplay. It was released twice in the 90s, meaning not as a single, but was on an album twice. On the 3rd of February, 95, Prince filmed a video for this at Glam Slam LA. 
Wow. And additional footage was also shot at Glamsland Miami on the 8th of June, 95. And in our survey Ooh. result, this just missed out on our top 100. It scraped in at number 101. Hmm. And I'm talking about P-Control. kind of surprising i mean like out of all the 90s songs i don't i don't know about the prince fan base like this doesn't really get a lot of mention p control mm. and it's kind of like an oddity like it has the operatic singing and the hip-hop beats and the the rapping and i don't know it's it's kind of like in in some ways like a novelty song but it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it just missed out on the top 100 out of the oh. 400 songs so it's quite it's quite interesting i'm gonna have to say something controversial i really never listened to it Mm. It's it's if if we if there's 500 Prince songs in that vote, it would it would probably be in the like the bottom 20, <laughs> it, and and here it's in the top 20 of the 90s. So there's obviously a core dedicated fan portion of the fan base that really love this track, but I, don't, I really don't see much in it. I think that the rapping's not that great, if you can call it that rapping. But the thing that really um f- for me, I've got a I should I should mention where I'm coming from really. The Gold Experience is one of my all-time favorite albums of by any artist. I've mentioned that. And I, I was lucky enough to purchase an official copy of The Gold Experience. Uh, and uh, this, is a, this is a test pressing. Yeah, without that track. Without that track. Mm. So for anyone who's listening, if you know about any of these pressings, let me know. Because I, so far, I haven't met a single fan who actually has, or even heard about, a pressing of The Gold Experience, like, pressed by the record label that starts with Endorphin Machine, which we'll get to later, um, which which starts with, a compl- you know, it starts with a completely different song and, and you know, the album's all the, all, all the better for it. But um, it's not even listed on the actual CD, on the artwork. It's missing from the album. and So you've only got 17 tracks? Yeah. And it's not a bootleg? Mm. No. As far as Are you know. You sure, it's not a bit like. <laughs> I am 199% sure that oh, it's so you've... an official, <laughs> like this is guaranteed 100% test, factory pressed. You, you know, that that's probably right because that album was lurking around back and forth for two years in different configurations. Yeah, so... And I was trying to get it released, so maybe, yeah, maybe one did get out. It's odd, but... I've got it, and I'm never... It's my most prized possession. <laughs> it's just the best thing. Now, obviously, with playlists, you can just take peak control off. But anyway, I've said too much. It's not so bad. Um, yeah, I've got to say, it's not one of... It's certainly not one of my favorite songs. And um, But they must love peak control in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just like that first word, but we won't be pronouncing that on the show. It's a children's program. Yeah. It's a family show, the Peach and Black podcast. I mean, so, you can just imagine Prince's... Reaction to that song, what it would be now? Mm. Yeah, it'd but, just be like, what was I thinking? Yeah, but like the lyrics, I can't, I kind of see like if you like where he's coming from with it. Like on face value, it's like okay, but when you listen to it, you know there is a message behind it. So, yeah, yeah, it's all it's all female empowerment. Yeah, empowerment, yeah, that's right. I was actually going to say that the title of the track doesn't actually it doesn't help its cause. <laughs> It make. doesn't help its cause, but it doesn't represent the song. It, yeah. In, in, so if someone it, reads the title... It then does, but it doesn't. Yeah, it does, but it doesn't. Yeah, so... 
Yeah, but you could you could read it and quickly dismiss it. Mm. Yeah, which you shouldn't do because actually it's a good point you raise, player. We we don't always talk about the lyrics. Yeah, and the lyrics of this song are fairly interesting from the point of view of a male perspective on the female empowerment, feminist issues, etc. So it's interesting. It's an interesting one. In this catalogue, for that reason alone, I guess. So, fair enough. I am surprised that this song, out of, you know, how many songs, that it got this high. It's a bit strange. I mean, I I I know I didn't vote for it. Maybe it was all the ladies. In their Mercedes. So, so, uh, who's next? Track number 16, I believe. The password is dead cow. That'll be me. (laughs) (laughs) This song recorded way back in 1990. uh, Larrabee Studios, if I'm correct. Now, strangely, this single was only released in the USA and only as 7-inch vinyl. That's just bizarre. There were some like 12-inch vinyl promos, but it was only officially released as a 7-inch vinyl single. Hmm. It did very well on the US R&B charts, got to number three, didn't even get into the top 40 of the normal R100. Hmm. Uh, it's a ballad. It was released, on the B-side to that single was a B-side that had already been released on uh, The Arms of Orion. Uh, released 4th of November, 1991. This song is what? No idea. Insatiable. What a great track. And good to see it represented in the 90s. Awesome that it came in. Very good news. That's another one that he can he kills it live when he brings that one out. Yeah. Did a great version of this in 2009 in Switzerland at the Montreux Jazz Festival. I'll vouch for that. <laughs> we talked about this before. He's got so many of these kind of songs like Do Me Baby, Insatiable, Pink Cashmere, Scandalous. The list just goes on and this one is equally as good as any other one. And Future it's just, Soul song. Yeah, it just can keep, just can keep going on. Yeah. It's an amazing song. This, yeah. I don't like the ballads that much, but this is up in you know the top five, I would say. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a ridiculous ballad. Yeah. It's, it's up screen. there with Scandalous and the Beautiful Ones. It's just, it's a, it's a great song. It's a panty dropper. <laughs> so, yeah. It's that's a that. Jones maker. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that was number 16. Let's go into track number 15, which is... I don't want to give too much away, but I'm a big fan of this song. (laughs) Which could mean anything at this point. Um, (laughs) It's from an album that had a fairly kind of rock-heavy approach for the most part. It's a song that combines two words into one and creates a whole lot of interesting imagery you know, with, with, the, with the track title. It is a song that is famous in the Prince community for the inclusion of one particular <gasps> instrument. <gasps> the cowbell! Don't mention it again. Don't mention it again. <laughs> I think that gave it away to every it, single person alive. He's listening. He's listening. Don't mention it. Prince's most I'm-too-cool-for-school, uber-fantastic, ridiculous, Ridiculous rock and roll track, if you can even call it that. It and also, 
Uh, before you say that, the the title of this song was also the name of the stage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of that tour. Ah. Which that's right. uh, it was a massive thing, <laughs> and, and I think um, for certain dates they couldn't even fit the whole thing into some buildings, <laughs> which is hilarious. And he had to like leave part of it in storage because they wouldn't even fit. Wow. It, was a, it, was, it was a big stage. Yeah. <laughs> what I would have given to, to, to witness that tour and to even hear this song live, oh. the song that we're about to announce, if I ever hear this live, it'll be the end of me. It, it, <laughs> I'm telling you, I can't think of a... If I just hear these chords just coming in at any point in the future, at any show, it doesn't even have to, hey, be, let, doesn't even have to be by Prince. <laughs> let's, let's just say it now. If Prince ever comes to Australia again and doesn't oh. play this, we will be severely disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I've got no words, no more superlatives. It can only be one song. It should have been number one. What is it? Endorphin machine. Endorphin machine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Endorphin machine. I was just going to say um, the classic cowbell comment. I never even noticed the song had a cowbell. And then the moment I saw something on one of the forums about the song having cowbell, every time I listen to the song, I can't get that cowbell out of my head. It stands <laughs> out. Like, eh? It just yeah. stands out. The moment you know it's there, you can't How get rid of it. How did you not notice it? My God. <laughs> well, it's like, it's not that you don't notice it, but it, it, didn't, it never bothered me before that. And then the moment someone pointed it out, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've just got to take a second here. Let's just... Put our, put our hands together and, and take time out for a, a, a little... Hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> a little moment for Endorphin Machine here. From that intro to the layers of guitars, the heavy bass, the huge drum sound, the scr- a constant screaming, the uber cool raw vocal delivery, the rhythm guitar tracks are just... Just rocking, just rocking the place. For for guitar players, this is just one of those songs. If you get into the the groove and into the rhythm, you just your face just gets all screwed up. You know, you just you're feeling it. <laughs> They're just such great chords and great sequential of chords that he came up with. It's a heavy track. It's like heavy in in the most raw sense. He just rocks the mother. <laughs> You know, even a cowbell couldn't ruin this song. That's how good this song is. He could have put more cowbells, but it's still been a great song. And a great title, Endorphin Machine. Isn't that just the best title for a song ever? It's really cheeky, playful pop lyrics. Tommy B's organ comes in. Michael B's Sunny T are all over this. Solo everything. Solo guitar, drum breaks, bass popping. Organ oh, don't forget keys. Tommy Barbarella's solo. Yeah, the solo on, on the organ, uh, or at least on the keys, yeah, keyboard version of it. The scream. Ah, uh, the scream at the end. <laughs> Man, ACDC ain't got nothing on this. Yeah. <laughs> it's all layered. See, now, I, I, I had the interactive CD-ROM when it came out sometime in 94, Yeah. and that had the first version, you know, the original version, which was just... I don't know if there even was any keyboards. It was just guitar, drums and bass, and no cowbell, I'm sure of that. <laughs> uh, so as soon as the Gold Experience eventually came out, I'm just like, oh, no, he's ruined it. 
Yeah. But which but still, I think I think the whole fun. album that whole album suffers a bit from overproduction because he had so much time. No, until it was finally released. I disagree no, with you there, but we'll, we'll get into it on our gold we'll experience review. But I disagree with you there. Here's an obscure one. Do you guys remember MPG Music Club when they had the um, the little mixer track? Oh, yeah, and they had, the mixer they track. Had yeah. Rock, yep, Rock Machine. It was called Rock Machine. Yep. And you could mix Endorphin Machine. That was pretty cool. That was awesome. I was in there all night playing with that, <laughs> that little baby. That was just a, All yeah, night, just... all year. All year. <laughs> all year, I mean. Um, but, and it's, this song is so well arranged. You know, we give credit, Prince, a lot of credit, and I know this is not an album review, so I'll stop it right here, but... I'll just say, the arrangement on this is brilliant. And then the final thing, you know, b- before the, the spit, the famous yeah. spit in, in <laughs> The Everlasting Now, Hawk. this is the famous real Hawk. one. This is the real <laughs> <laughs> in face. I'm rocking the mother out. This, this on, a, on any given day, is in my top 10 Prince songs ever because he just rocks it. Endorphin Machine. There you go. There you have it. Um, <laughs> whew. Okay, and from there... We go to track number 14. What's the 14-bit song in the 90s? Okay, this song. What can I say about this song? This is one of my favorite tracks on this album. I suppose you could call it a power ballad. I think that qualifies, yeah. It's got... It has great guitar solos. And until recently, I didn't know, because I don't usually listen to lyrics that much, but some very controversial lyrics. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Oh, how so? Why is it why well, is it controversial? Supposedly the interpretation is it's about, you know, the girl's underage and you're just waiting until she's legal. Mm-hmm. Listening to all the lyrics, that's what it's about, supposedly. Okay. According to some, some controversial lyrics in there, but not me because I don't listen to them. But anyway, uh, released as a single April 3rd, 1993. B-side was an album track from Diamonds and Pearls, Live for Love. And the video, first and only time I remember seeing Prince wearing a flannelette shirt. What is <laughs> uh, this song? The uh, Morning Papers. Flannel shirt gave it away. Oh, it's, tar- it's Tartan. It's Tartan, actually. Another great <laughs> song. The hits just keep on coming, don't they? Yeah. So yeah. let's play some covers. Classic <laughs> moment in the video where he gets up on his piano and plays that guitar solo. Yeah. That's, great that's the best part, yeah. And again, as far as Prince guitar solos go, doesn't he just have the most impeccable timing? Yeah. Particularly with that solo, yeah. Yeah. He... Oh, what can you say? Mouth-watering solo, but he comes in literally at the most precisely perfect moment you could. It's it never mm. ceases to amaze me. It's brilliant. This is one of those the really funny- the arrangements really thick. Like it's it's not the most complex song, but the actual arrangement is really there's a lot going on in the arrangement, and I, yeah. I really like it for that sense. Like all the horn horn arrangements, the uh, you know the piano and. I really like the piano in it, which is sort of in the background, but it's, it's, there's some nice stuff going on on the piano. Yeah. Mm. The funny thing in this video is um, when he's, I think it's near the start when he's, um, he's playing the piano and he's sitting there and there's like at the end of one of the lines, like lyrics, there's like a, a guitar note 
and he like looks down at his guitar and then he just looks back at the piano like oh crap I forgot to play that bit <laughs> it's just really funny it's really funny when you go back and find it go and watch the video and it's it's somewhere near the start and he's like playing the piano and then there's like a big a big guitar note and he looks down at it and he looks back at the piano it's really funny <laughs> I'm gonna check that I'm gonna funny. seek that out yeah it's funny stuff but it's a pretty ba- uh, as much as I like the video it's pretty badly edited hmm like his guitar solos, like they use the same like spinning around shot in both solos, yeah. and it's oh, album track. Such a live sounding track. It would have been so good to do a live video like he did with Willing and Able. That would have been great. Yeah, but, but it's, yeah. it's a, again, it's a great song though overall. I still like the video. It's just a bit could have been better. Hmm. Actually, I just remembered this one. This is supposedly Kevin Smith's favorite Prince song. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe I mean, not anymore. I know we're about to finish on this song, but just the, probably the biggest thing that I think of when I... It's not the guitar solo, it's not the video, it's not anything, it's the horns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The way that... Yeah, the those solo, the big solo as well. I mean... Yeah, but I mean just in the um, in the verses. Yeah, yeah. They, they just... Oh, they just kind of fade in. It's, it's That whole album's like that, like Love to the Nines. Like the horns just kill her all over that. Swell. Yeah, Swell. Oh man, you guys got me inspired. I'll be listening to the Symbol album tonight. I can't wait till we review that album. <sighs> Brilliant piece of that work. album and Gold are just going to kill us all. Oh. It's going to be a six-hour show. That's it, back to back. I'm listening to Symbol, then I'm going to fall asleep the Gold Experience tonight <laughs> <laughs> after the show. Let's move on to the next track, if we can. Player, take it away. Okay, uh, Prince has stated that he wrote this song while standing in front of a mirror. <laughs> And no, it's not Pretty Man. It's not Pretty Man. I know what it is. Okay. Uh, On the UK singles chart, it hit number 15. On the Australian chart, it reached number two. Wow. Yeah, it's a just I remember. And the US Billboard Hot 100, it was number one. It was his fifth number one US single. Uh, The CD Maxi single has eight other variations of the song, making (gasps) it more of a mini EP for collectors. It was released the 9th of September, 1991. And in this survey, it came in at number 89 out of all the songs. And I am talking about... Cream. Cream. Get on top. Yes. For so many years, for so many years, I really didn't like this song. Mm. I just thought it was like a pop throwaway. I mean, I I don't know. And then I don't know what it was. I just heard it one day and I was just like, oh man, that's like, I think it was the guitars, uh, like playing the little licks in the background, all the little bendy licks. I was like, oh man, this song is just really creamy. (laughs) 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 Like, it is perfect pop, perfect pop song. Yeah. It's got a great, great, like, rolling bass line. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. It's all in the production. This this song. It's very sort of unprince like in a way. I remember when I heard this song and I thought, wow, this is really kind of big and you know, like compared to like the '80s stuff where it was sort of all sparse and demo like, and this had like really lush production and yeah. it's just kind of a I don't know a bit of a turning point. It was it was very different. And I yeah, I wasn't used to it when I first heard it. Like I just thought this really. I always saw it as like kind of like. 
evolved out of Shake, that you know, the time Shake. It's like yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, stylistically, Cream really comes from at least the guitar parts and um, some of the synth lines. They're very, um, they're from a bygone era. I mean, a, a, a lot of it is kind of rooted in the, in the probably not in the 60s, in the 50s, in the late 40s and, and definitely throughout the 50s. It just just the rhythm and and then there's a kind of slight gospel influence in there as well, I mm. think, in the synth lines. Yeah. But then he's got this really contemporary beat on the top of it, and then obviously lyrics that are very modern. And um, yeah, it's an interesting song. Or it always, I've, I have to say one thing about this though. I've never seen Cream performed convincingly in a live setting ever. Mm. I agree with that. It just always seems thin and lukewarm, but it and there's cowbell at the start too. <laughs> when they do it live, terrible. Just when the you very... think the dolphin machine's going to kick in. <laughs> it always sort of comes along with Raspberry Beret is kind of like, oh, he's the sing-song section of the the show. Show, sure, yeah, yeah. That's when we all go out and get a, another drink. Um, <laughs> so cream is over. Um, but what comes after that? Well. Funny enough, I should say that, since it's a song that um, I'll be talking about a little bit. Track number 12, the 12th greatest song of the 90s. And this is a song off of an album in the first part of the 90s. It is a song... It is a song that includes the names of people that were once a part of Prince's entourage... I think we can. It's safe to say that. Oh, it's a song that actually includes a piece of. Um, hmm, how, like it's got like a classical change at at, a, at one particular point in the track, and it was released as a single. Mm. It was actually quite successful. I don't have all the stats in front of me, but quite successful as a single. It had a video filmed along with it, and known as one of Prince's fairly successful and, and, and well-known ballads. Pretty upbeat. Uh, it's definitely got some heavy drumming and a, and a kind of rock edge in parts. Features very, very powerful vocals from a specific lady that was around in the early 1990s. And this song... Was this video the one filmed at, uh, like, some opera place? Yes. Yes, it was. It was, okay, it was, it was a very successful single. It, I mean, it got massive airplay, huge on pop charts, R&B hip-hop charts, um, more so in the US than in the UK. But I'll finish off by saying this song is basically... It's an expression of love in the pure form as opposed to the theme of love, you know, material love or... or or, you know, uh, love living in the material world, all those sorts of things. So that's all I can say about it. What do you think it is? It's the title track it from is an the album. the title track. It is. Released in 91. <laughs> it can only mean one thing. <laughs> Graffiti Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is Diamonds and Pearls. I'll say it. <laughs> Diamonds and Pearls. It's Diamonds and Pearls. Uh, what a song. Th- this song can 
sometimes I feel is gets a little bit lost in the mix. He's got so many great songs, and we say it so often. But you know, if an artist came out with it with a ballad like this in the '90s, this would have sold millions of copies of of an album. You know, with the video and the promotion and everything, it's a great song on its own. But because it's Prince. It's just, oh, well, that's another genius song that he just penned. Oh, well, great. Let's move on. What's next? You know, that's the kind of, that's really, yeah. I mean, it's really an amazing ballad. It comes up with, starts starts off with this Arabic sounding intro and lovely bass and keys in tandem, we might mention. And then a great effect when just a few bars into it, um, Prince joins in with his vocal, kind of tripling the effect. You've got the keys, the bass, and his vocal. Yeah. Um, and hit some, hit some very low notes very in there. low notes, very high notes at some points. Um, great mid-range. It's really a, a, a very a comprehensive but concise song. It ma- man- you know, manages to pack a huge punch in the four, some, four minutes or so. Really cool backup vocals by Rosie Gaines. Rosie Gaines. Uh, God, she's got some pipes. But then Prince does um, some excellent backup work there. It's just a classy song, really classy production. Like I said, the Eastern guitar. If you guys listen on headphones, and you, you don't even need to on headphones, but it's more noticeable. There's a constant, Michael B's constantly tapping away at the cymbals. And it's like one of those cowbell moments where if you don't know that it's there, you might not notice it. But have a listen again. Oh, it's interesting. If don't it... ruin it for me. <laughs> um, Some very interesting time in this song. Like, it's it's basically in 4-4, yeah. but it's like, you know, the accents aren't on the normal beats that you'd expect. Like, the, you know, the main melody of the song sort of comes in on beat 4, which is kind of strange. Da-da-da-da, one, two, three, da-da-da-da-da. It's just kind of strange. Mm. Uh, which it sort of gives it this feeling of like it's just sort of airy and floating. Um, yeah, it works. Uh, yeah, it does and, work. Uh, and and live the guitar solo. Oh yeah, it yeah. just made this song. <laughs> it was so good, and it was such well, a only, good solo. It fit the song so well. He should have put it on the album. It would have been excellent. My only tiny blemish with this song, and it's only because I'm a horn player, is the cheesy synth horn. Uh, I wish he had yeah. a got you know um, Michael Nelson to play that or one uh, the trumpeter Dave Nel- Dave yeah. Dave Jensen or one of the, you know the horn player the hornheads trumpeter yeah. to do that would have been better but anyway that's a tiny grievance yeah out of a great <laughs> out of a great great track the only other thing I'll say about this is that um like I, I mentioned earlier um, that probably about two or five minutes into the song he throws in this. I'll say classical-inspired section. And, you know, we forget that this is a pop song of a pop album that was played on pop radio. It just speaks volumes for not only the breadth of his creativity, but also the um, the variety of elements and sometimes fairly um, random elements that he throws into song structures that aren't... that don't theoretically meshed together very well but even okay fine toe jam even the the horns are sam- more you know sample sounds um they still introduce uh, a certain kind of ambience oh, yeah, yeah. to the yeah. song and it, it, when you hear it it's like what like it just you know michael b does this little drum break the, the fake horns come in and then it just goes into another direction it, I have to, how cool is that drum break though it's awesome it's awesome so yeah, it's a great song. It's lyrically quite simple and poignant. A ballad, a ballad to love, really. Love over the material world. That's what I've got. So anyway, that's track number twelve. 
That was the 12th greatest track of the 90s. Let's go to the next one. Uh, that would be me. I got some, hopefully some good trivia for this one. This one was recorded in January 93, but it wasn't released until another two and a half years later, thereabouts. Wow. Um, <laughs> this song has some interesting lyrical themes. Uh, it deals with reincarnation um, <laughs> and eternal love. Ah. Um, this song has had a couple of releases. It was released on an album, which I won't relay right now, but it was also on The Undertaker VHS, which is interesting because supposedly it was actually performed live with the rest of the songs, but for whatever reason, they used the studio version in the end uh, on The Undertaker video. Yeah. Uh, the video for this... Oh, actually, okay. Uh, okay. The video for this, I actually really like the video because it, it's all filmed in one take. Yes. There's no editing. It's just one take. Uh, video, which is kind of interesting. It's interesting the way that they do that uh, in the in the song. It's it's very much a live rarity. Uh, it's only been performed a couple of times, to my knowledge, and it's never really been a, a regular song in any tour. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, this one was for the Prince fans. It's famously performed on Letterman, uh, where, yeah. Prince, uh, where Prince acts out his own suicide. Just very strange. <laughs> Uh, but again, I think he was, you know, one of his, I'm killing off Prince for the last time, which he seemed to do about three or four times. Um, obviously, the song is on the gold experience, if you're still wondering. So the song must be... Flipper. <laughs> Skipper. <Go on>. No. <laughs> Dolphin. Uh, Dolphin. It is Dolphin, correct. What a song. This one's very, to me, it's very similar to the Morning Papers in that it's a really sort of complex arrangement, um, very thick, uh, lots of stuff happening all at the same time, big guitars. At the core, it's just a really interesting song. A cool solo too. Yeah. Though yeah, short. Gu- that underwater guitar effect that he has. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that he used like throughout the nineties. What a what a what a solo! Yeah, what a that's, solo! It's great. But, but the the themes of, of rebirth, the reincarnation, and and it, it's everything about the song lyrically, thematically, just such a. You seem to be right into that in the mid nineties, eh? The reincarnation, because you had um, Animal Kingdom coming out a couple of years later. Hmm. A lot of the stuff on Emancipation. Yeah, interesting. And then it all changed. <laughs> But it, it's it's closely related to like the end of Prince and the start of the symbol, the name. Mm. Yeah. You know that sort of it, it's all tied in together. It is. I mean, I'm sure we'll go into kind of at length reviews of, of a lot of these songs when we review them. But it can be a very powerful song, and especially I would especially love to hear this live. That would be that would really be a treat. We say that a lot about a lot of the songs, but but this is just another one in the mix. So. Well, this is yeah. This is similar to some of the songs in the top twenty, and that it's amazing that it's this high up, given that it's not really performed very often. So that's kind of special for a song to be able to do that just on a studio version alone. Yeah, I mean, basically, virtually reaching the top ten Prince songs of the nineties. Yeah, it's with crazy. no single, uh, not performed much. Only a video that was shown fairly rarely, I believe. So, yeah. Well, that one weird thing was that that was the track that he played on Letterman, yet it wasn't a single. And he was promoting an album, which at the time, Letterman said, he's promoting an album which is never going to be released. Yep. So it makes perfect sense why he's here promoting it tonight. <laughs> it was classic. It was a was classic fun. line. That was <laughs> <laughs> typical Letterman dry humor. 
Recap. Let's recap songs 11 20 to 20 10. in reverse order. 20 to 11. 20 was Stuart Stanley's Time. Then we went into 19, My Name is Prince. 18, Beautiful Strange. 17, P Control. 16, Insatiable. 15, Should Have Been Number One, Endorphin Machine. 14, <laughs> The Morning Papers. 13, Cream. Track number 12, Diamonds and Pearls. And the one we just discussed, track number 11, Dolphin off the Gold Experience album. Whew, what a list of songs. What a playlist that makes. But let's go straight into the top 10 Prince songs of the 1990s as voted by you. And we'll hit it off with track number 10, Take It Away. Which is also one of mine. Okay, a couple of clues. Um, it's one of his his longest studio songs. Not not the longest by any means, but um, one of his longest songs coming in at all, over seven minutes. It's not uh, chlorine bacon skin? Okay. No, definitely not. Or America Extended. <laughs> and they're both from the 80s, by the way. <laughs> Released uh, so in the 90s, I mentioned. <laughs> this one features a lot of Claire Fisher. Uh, beautiful string work. Uh, to me, this is kind of Prince's... He's recalling James Brown's It's a Man's World in many ways. Just the, uh, the beat to it. It's kind of like uh, the straight version of It's a Man's World. Uh, to me, anyway. It's just kind of a two-chord minor vamp and it just rolls and rolls and, and it's a vocal display mm-hmm. mm, okay that, I don't know that's my take um, Prince said I still have no idea we've well, got us confused that's for sure <laughs> alright um, Prince said in, in quite a few interviews in the late 90s that he believed that this was up, here, up there with his best work um, so that's interesting yeah, over the last 10 years or so it's been performed often as a medley with The Question of You and uh, uh, okay. Electric Man <laughs> Ooh, you're getting close. <laughs> um, the studio version features Rhonda Bass on a fretless bass. Yeah. Rhonda Bass. Rhonda Smith on a fretless bass. Ah, oh, okay. That gives it away. And um, to be honest, I think it, I'd rate it up there as one of my favorite Prince songs. Uh, it's a brilliant track. The One. The One. The One. I am the Number yeah, 10. That, that is a great song. It's so... Yeah, yeah that should have been the one, number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hypnotic, that. And it's all got to do with Ronda's bass. Mm. That bass makes that song. And and the array, uh, the, the string arrangements the, the string yeah. are, are like divine. They are. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Just on the um, Ronda Smith bass, I can imagine him doing the song on Emancipation that has her fretless bass. One of the songs on disc two. Dreaming About You, I think. I think so, yeah. And I can imagine him doing that and then going, oh, man, I have to use this sound for a, a fuller song. <laughs> um, and that's what he's done. Great lyrics in the song, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Hone in on relationships and all those sorts of things. There's even a spiritual tinge to them, so that's pretty cool. This isn't one of my favorite songs. It wasn't mine when, think, it, when it first came out, but I've grown to love it. I think it could be just because of the album it came on. Which I didn't particularly like that much either. It's definitely the best song on that album by far, I would suggest. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to reviewing New Power Soul because I've never really listened to it since it came out. <laughs> so that, that could be interesting. 
<laughs> All right. So, from track number 10 to track number 9, okay, play, take it away. This track was released as a single on November 30th, 1995. Hmm. It was a top 10 single in the UK. However, wow. it peaked at only 88 and stayed in the Hot 100 for two weeks in the US. Very interesting. 95. Before it was released, this will give it away, Prince called this his next Purple Rain. He said that? He said that in like in interviews. I've read that. Yeah. Okay. I and thought that was fan speculating. I think I know what this is. <laughs> and in our survey, you guys rated this as the 73rd greatest Prince song of all time. And the ninth greatest Prince song of the 90s is Gold. Gold. All that glitter. that glitters it's a Ain't it's a great gold. song yeah it is a great song I have to agree with you guys there the yeah. solo with Everything. Prince and Tommy back to back that is the oh, best no. solo it's ear candy isn't it it is oh that's good and the video is great as well I love the video with his little like Escalade Travelator thing yeah <laughs> what an album closer really yeah, yeah. it's great I love all the backing vocals at the end of the song as well just like yeah. sort of calling out in the background it's very Beatlesque. It's it a is. Reverb. Yeah, production is is fantastic. All right. It's a shame he hasn't really played it since, to my knowledge. Like, it's just kind of one of those amazing songs that's just like yeah. Dolphin. It's just sort of sitting there from the mid '90s that he doesn't really do anymore. Maybe he has like some reservations about you know that material at that time. So, well, it's it's interesting you should mention that. I mean, not only other material from around that era, but specifically such a such an anthemic song. You know, he's played. Purple Rain hundreds and thousands of times and at the end of the day he's the artist he chooses it but we're just having a discussion about it so in this discussion I'll just mention that by some accounts European fans have said that he performed this song during the the European part of the 1995 tour but as far as we know he hasn't played it for 15 years since then Hmm. and to me this is easily up there with Purple Rain as yep. one of his best anthemic songs on so many levels that um it's it, it's more than odd not to have heard this live you know mm. it's just such a powerful song and and for it to come you know in ninth place as his ninth greatest song of the 90s in an international vote in 2010 i think that says a lot mm. i'd much rather hear him play gold than purple rain mm. or is it just me well we would uh, but yeah, the average fan probably it's kind of like what um, Toe Jam usually says. It's like a brother-sister track. It's like the brother-sister to Purple Rain. Yeah. yeah. And because maybe we hear Purple Rain all the time and gold next to no time. Yeah. It, it's, 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 you know, from a, a fan's perspective, we'd like to hear this a bit more. But, um, you know, there's no real reason why it shouldn't get pro- played. It's a, it's a great, uplifting, positive track. It's not like it's Head or Sexy MF or anything else that's deemed sort of inappropriate it's, yeah. it's it'd be a great song to and and just to get everyone uplifted in a concert everyone would sing along it'd be, it'd be great so uh, the only reason is our prince's personal reasons or personal yeah. reason why he yeah, didn't play it, which is fair enough um, it's just interesting that already we've had like four or five songs from this album and almost none of them are played nowadays so. yeah 
crazy, crazy. Okay, so we had 10, we had 9. Let's go into the 8th greatest song of the 1990s. And this song, other than, again, being one of my personal favourites, and pretty much a, a miraculous song on all accounts, it's a work of genius, I have to say. So if that doesn't give it away, I'll give you a little bit more information. Um, Please. This was a lead single in support of this particular album. It was virtually a solo effort other than a couple of rhythm sections, some very important rhythm sections nonetheless, but virtually recorded, you know, 75-80% by Prince Rogers Nelson, supposedly. Um, Had some work done by Mr. Ricky Peterson, who did hey. some fairly significant co-production and arranging, as well as providing some additional keyboards on this song. This is killer. It goes through a few different sections and really is a masterpiece on an emotional, on a musical, on a spiritual, and definitely on a sonic level. This song uses Prince's famous... Prince, Prince Bionics. Bionics, yeah. Yeah, it famously Prince uses Bionics. some of yeah, it famously uses some of Prince's Bonics, <laughs> some Prince Bonics, Ebonics, whatever they called. Um, and the title consists of three words. The lead single off the Gold Experience is Ah, I hate you. That's right. That was, the lead first, that was the first single? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Of it's, course it's unusual. it was. It's unusual for, as the first yeah. single, but yeah. Yep. As dumb and as that sounds, I'm not surprised in the least. He always did that. Yeah, it was released on the 12th of September 1995, um, and the album was released on the 26th of September 1995. So wow. it was released like a couple of weeks before the album. It had a quiet mix with Eric Leeds as a 7-inch. Um, it also had Endorphin Machine as the B-side on the Japanese pressing of this disc. Yeah. And um, although I'm really not a fan at all of the remix, the album version is, in my opinion, one of the cornerstone tracks of his career. It, it has to be one of the greatest songs he's ever done, in my yeah. opinion. I'll just put it out there. The album version is great with the whole story it's got especially in the second part but the extended mix it's got a story too but it's it's different it loses a lot and of, I, I like i like yeah. both of them oh, okay what i really like they're, about the um you know the courtroom scene is actually all the interplay oh. uh with yeah. the, the with all the instruments in the background throughout yeah. that like, it's just like wow that's just really amazing stuff like it's simple but it's like call and response kind yeah, of thing yeah. um to what he's talking about it's just amazing i have and to yeah i have to agree it's, it's an amazing song. Not only that, but the, what the, you're talking about the courtroom scene and the the musical elements. They not only are they um, are, are they great, they sound great, but they they almost it, it's like a visual interpret, a sonic interpretation of of, of the theme mm. as well. So it's not only that you know that the it's like his his like mates in the background going yeah yeah kind of thing. What <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, all, all the other all the other musicians like the the Sunny T on the bass. I'm assuming it's Sunny T on the bass but you never know it could have been Prince playing it but whatever it is it, there's a great sort of um, 
it's not a mesh pot, it's not a kaleidoscope. It's much more structured than that. But it's every time you listen to it, it sounds fresh. That's yeah. kind of the, the, the effect that it has. It stays with the listener. So it's really, really interesting. But look, how can you get past a drum break? How can you go past the, that underlying sensual bass that underpins the entire song? Prince's vocals, if if not at their most impressive, then these are some of the most impressive and, in my opinion, important vocals he's ever put down to wax. It, it is a dazzling display, this song. From is, the range... Yeah to the timing, to the emotion of the song, of the lyrics, of the delivery, unbelievable. And the way that the um, the synths interject in the background at some points are really, really cool. Uh, but this is, it's, it's meticulous, it's vivid, it's sonically brilliant. We've talked about how amazing it is compositionally and how well it's arranged. I mean, look, if you have to choose a song as a prime example of Prince's amazing arranging skills, and let's not forget the input of Ricky Peterson on this particular song as well, the arrangement is stunning. And yes. just finally, right at the end, again, contender for one of Prince's most well-timed guitar solos ever. Yeah, absolutely. Come on. The, the tension that he builds up in those... Yeah, Six it just bubbles along and then it just it, it keeps going along and it just drives right to the end. It's yeah. awesome. And also, too, the title itself, where, like, you know, there's a lot of songs out there about I love you and love you, this and that. And this is, like, totally the opposite in the sense that it's called I Hate You, but it's it's hate to the it's, – it's love to the point of hate. Hmm. And it's, it's just, like, a very interesting theme, how he loves someone so much to the point where he can hate them. And it's just it's just a, a very interesting concept, and and it's not like the norm what you would expect like as a single or if you just read the title I hate you you think oh it's a pretty anger uh, kind of like P control you you look at the title and think oh it's a, it's a negative song or or something like that but it's 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 a very interesting concept the theme of the the title itself. Erica, Erica Badu came out with an album this year. Uh, a, a, the second part to a, an album she, or project she started a few years ago. And I remember reading on the front cover, you know, there's the stickers. Mm-hmm. One of, I think the Vibe review said something like, a whirlwind album, an emotional roller coaster goes through the gamut of the, the highs and lows of a romantic relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And this was describing Erica Badu's album. Prince does that in one song. One song, yeah. <laughs> Hmm. He, he doesn't need an album to to do that. And and again, I'm a big Erica Badu fan. I didn't mention that to to um as a you know by any means put that down, but just to highlight exactly how impressive it is to go from love to hate to love to hate and everything in between and back again to really at the end of the day he's he comes back to the point where and he actually mentions in the lyric is you know it's killing me baby or whatever he says. And he shows how much he still feels for whoever he's singing about. Isn't it about Carmen Electra? Well, I don't know. That's what I heard it was. Let's not start those rumors. Okay. <laughs> she was just in Australia recently. <laughs> no, that's true. Yep. All right. So, well, we could talk about this forever, but let's go to the next track. Track number seven. Who's taking this? I believe it's me, yes. Okay. Talk briefly about this song before, and I know that you guys aren't a huge fan of it, but it's actually, I really like the song. Some interesting trivia. The song was recorded in Tokyo. Which is interesting. It's it's, it's, it's interesting. (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, It's one of the few tracks that's included on the very best of Prince and Ultimates, but it's not on the hits, which I find is kind of strange. You might Uh, be right there. If I knew what song it was (laughs) you were talking about. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. 
something else that I thought that I never knew until researching this for this show is that the song is basically a Prince solo performance other than Michael B on drums and Levi on bass. So the rest of it's Prince. Wow. I always assumed it was like a live band recording kind of thing. Interesting. Which, which then Prince did overdubs and whatever, but not the case. There's a video. There's a couple of videos, slightly different versions, but they're more or less the same, uh, directed by Spike Lee. Ah. Oh, there he gives it away now. Uh, it's the fifth and I believe last single off Diamonds and Pearls. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's a pain in the ass to spell this song because I've, there's <laughs> like three or four different official ways to spell it, depending if you look at all the, the way it's been released. So there you go. Take that one for it. Came out, it came out with a very nice hologram uh, single. CD single, yeah. Which I specifically remember Molly Meldrum promoting on Hey Hey, It's Saturday. <laughs> yes, I've um, still got it. And, and the Diamonds and Pearls one. I've got them both. Yeah. Uh, so this song, if you're not sure yet, is... Money Don't Matter Tonight. Correct. Money Don't Matter Tonight It sure didn't matter yesterday Just when you think you got more than enough It's when it all up and flies away That's when you find out that you're better off Making sure you're One thing I really like about this song is the use of repetition. Like it, the song kind of is just really repetitive, but I think that kind of taps into the, the sort of lonely vibe that what he's talking about. I don't know. Do you guys get that or not? Obviously not. <laughs> yeah. It's, just a, it's a, like a low-key track to me. It's always been. Yeah, it's kind of a yeah. repetitive sort of progression that sort of doesn't really build that much, but that kind of suits what he's talking about. But um, wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. This is this is track number seven, the yeah. seventh greatest song of the 1990s. We've just Beating. spoken about some fairly favorite songs of ours, and all of a sudden this one comes in. How amazing we've already that? We've already passed Endorphin Machine. <laughs> I know, which I thought would have been number one. Well, I, I think it's testament to the track. I, like, I'm not yeah, saying it it's... There's sure. a few that I might have put ahead of it, but uh, to me it's still a, an amazing song. And especially lyric, this is where the, this song really stands on its own is with regards to the thematic content and the lyrics, the lyricism. And this was also around the you know Gulf War, like first Gulf War, mm. and yeah. for him to come out putting out lyrics like "So what? Who's controlling all the oil?" kind of thing. Like, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a very political thing, which is something he has avoided most of the time. Well, one of the more thought-provoking lines for me, from my point of view, is really kind of, I think it's part of the chorus where he says, money don't matter tonight. It sure didn't matter yesterday. That's very simple on the surface, but it has wide implications. It's, you know, that's almost a conversation starter on its own. You'd really go into a philosophical discussion about that and what that means. So much of our culture is based on the concept and, and in fact, the the reality of money and, and its various forms. And that that line's interesting. We, we might go into that. We might have a money don't matter tonight episode one day. But um, <laughs> hmm. yeah, at this stage, yeah, it's, it's definitely a solid track. But I just I mentioned low key earlier because it was a little. So it's kind of off the radar yeah. a little bit. So yeah, it's great yeah. to see it here. The biggest mistake that I think Prince has made with this song, the Aladdin DVD, money don't matter tonight, in brackets, aborted. <laughs> and, I mean, that DVD was so incomplete anyway. Mm. Why not just leave that track off? Yeah. Or don't because list it now, on the back. Yeah. <laughs> now, every time I hear that song, I just think it's, it's aborted. 
It's just, uh, it's like he killed that song. He doesn't want us to listen to it. He doesn't even want to play it anymore. Could you imagine like a, an old time Prince fan picking up the DVD, looking on the back going, oh, wow, he plays Money Don't Matter. I love that song. And then Find the DVD, <laughs> gets home, lasts still 10 seconds worth. <laughs> hold on, John. Wait a minute. We've got to do this right here. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, that DVD, I mean, if it was a complete show, I'd understand to leave it in. But it wasn't even like half the show. So why leave in an aborted version of a song? Uh, because he can. Why not release the Montreux DVD? Because he can. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go into track number six. Six best track of the 90s. That'll be me. Okay. This song was a worldwide hit, which is a big thing. <laughs> the Prince in of the 90s. <laughs> Peaking at number three on the Billboard Hot 100, number one in the UK... I think it got to number one in Australia. It did well many, many places. This was released as a single and like Cream as a uh, an EP with a bunch of different versions because it was released on NPG Records. It first was... Line, was it? The, yeah, the first. I think it was, yeah. It was released on the 24th of February, 1994. Uh, there are two saxophone versions of this track, one with... Brian Gallagher from MPG Horns and another with Eric Leeds. It was Prince's first release since changing his name to an unpronounceable symbol. This song was also covered by his, at the time, wife with a few lyric changes. That's right. Uh, that was That's released a- on Paisley Park Records on June the 7th, 1995, which was... Thanks a lot, Captain. Birthday. I'd almost erased that from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> this, which I don't think had been done with any previous Prince release ever was it was released in a special Valentine's Day edition. Does anyone remember that? Does anyone have one? No. Mm, No. (laughs) Okay, so no one's got that. What What? song could I be talking about? (laughs) What could you be (laughs) talking about? The most beautiful guy in the world. Could it be (laughs) the most beautiful girl in the world? There you go. That's right. Plain to see. I haven't said anything for a little bit. Do you mind if I cut in with just one thing? What? I don't know if you guys feel the same way about this song. I love this song. Whenever I think about this song, the first thing that come, pops into my mind is an air of just blandness. No. Yeah, from a distance. I always think of the most beautiful girl from in the From a world. distance, the ocean meets the sea, but we're not talking about that <laughs> midler. <laughs> What, Come on. I guess what I'm trying to say is whenever I read the title and I think about the song and the chorus, it is it's it is pretty sappy. It, yeah, it is and, sappy, yeah. And I never look forward to listening to, to this song. I, it, I do. In fact, I put it on, with, on purpose. along with We March, P Control, if this wasn't on the gold experience, I wouldn't think you know anything of it. Yeah, the only re- the only reason it was on the Gold Experience is because Warner Brothers wanted it because it became such a hit. Yeah, otherwise it wouldn't be on there. 
I don't know. And what it is, it is. A and it is a different version as well. Yeah, but maybe maybe it's maybe it's the rhythm guitars. They're a bit kind of really you know sheen sheen pop kind of bubblegum to me. I don't know. But then, it, like I said, it's from a distance because every time I actually listen through the song, there are multiple points within the song where where I have wow moments. I think, oh wow. Oh, isn't that good? Or oh man, look at that bass note he just hit. Or you know, he, once you get into it, then you realise that again. I I know we say this often, but for any other artist, this would have been the biggest smash of their career. This song right here can make a career. Mm. But again, he's it just was got so much great. One material. of his biggest hits. Oh yeah, that <laughs> was his I first number one it. in the UK. I always find the song amazing that no one had ever thought of that sort of, you know, combination as a song title because the moment you see the song title, it's like, oh, well, that's an instant Valentine's Day number one kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, like, you just know with the song title and the chorus like that, it's just like, oh, man, that, that song is going to be big I mean, just because every- it's such a classic love song phrase. Yeah. Every wedding you go to, the wedding plan is always that's put right. out like the 100 most used songs <laughs> for the final dance. And this is always up there, you know. Just yeah. before one in a million, you obviously. Yeah. <laughs> in a lifetime. See, like the thing, the thing I don't like. Not, it, it's not really Prince's fault or anything, but the thing that yes, it is that wears on me about this song was it was released around Valentine's Day of '94, and when it came out, I played it and played it, played it, and you know, got used to it, and I thought, okay, I've had enough of this song, sort of thing. And then it really didn't do anything. And then it was about April of that same year that it, it, it really took off in Australia. So by that time, it, I w- it was coming around again and I, I started to get sick of the song. And then it was just in the charts for about like six months or so. So by the end of 94, I was really done with that song. And so every time I hear it now, it's just it's a bit like Kiss or Let's Go Crazy or one of those songs. Mm. So for me, it's, it's, it's nothing really about the song per se, it's just, it, to me, it was just overplayed. Maybe and that's, that's what it is. Yeah, and that's but, why. But, like, yeah, I agree with you. There's certain wow moments in, like, the production, Ricky P, all that sort of stuff. There's, there is great stuff in it. Yeah. And for a casual listener, like, I can see them just latching onto the song and, and really rolling with it. But for me, it's just, nah. It's a very simple melody as well. It's almost childish, kind of, like, childlike. Like a nursery rhyme or something. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. I like the original version the 94 version as opposed to the one on the gold experience yeah, we'll make it, one, we Peterson I, I, on the show I, again and ask him which version he prefers again the one on the gold experience it's he's played around with it over and over and it's just got too much stuff in there it's overproduced i think but the original version fine hmm. All right. it's, it's definitely a case of prince pulling an ace out of his you know sleeve you know he's changed his name to a symbol he's basically abandoned his famous record company and you know you could just imagine everyone around thinking he's gone that that's it he's, he's lost gone. his mind <laughs> and he comes out with the, like again it's not my favorite song either but he comes out with such a classic idea that's so universal that would was going to sell hotcakes was going to sell like hotcakes just on the title alone so. hmm. well i think that's how the story goes i think warner brothers said to him you'll you know, you're a has-been and you'll never have a hit again. And then he released this independently. This. Yeah, he came out with this, yeah. Is this like the is this the biggest independent release ever? Probably. Because, <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Warner said, um, we'll let you release it because we don't think much is going to happen with it. How wrong <laughs> they were. Mm. 
many times. This blows up completely. Okay, let's get into the um, top meat five. end of the stick here. The top five Prince songs of the 90s. Track number five is... Mine. Okay, the original demo recording this song is circulating amongst collectors, and that features Prince on acoustic guitar. It's a last-minute inclusion on the album it's on. It was recorded on the 11th of February, 1990. Wow. It reached number six on the Billboard Pop chart, hmm. number one on the R&B chart. Massive song. It was certified what? gold. <sighs> Huge track. Uh, I don't know. The B-side is a continuation of the A-side. Uh, that out. <laughs> it was released. I think I know. It was released the 17th of July, 1990. If you were watching the video on TV, you probably see most commonly the four-minute version. However, there is an eight-minute extended video that rarely gets played. Okay. Oh, I know what it is. But it's a classic Prince video. Yes. And this song just misses out on the top 50 greatest Prince songs of all time because it comes in at number 51 on our list. Wow. And can anyone guess what it is? Thieves in the Temple. That's the one. <laughs> hey. What a song, huh? Yeah. Great this song. song has been covered by so many artists, it's not funny. From really? the Australian great Rene Gaia. Herbie to Hancock. Herbie Hancock does a magnificent yep. version on his album, The New Standard. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Check that out. I heard a lot of different people cover this. You know who just covered this like about a month ago was Sarah McLeod. And oh, I think really? it's going to be I think it's gonna be on, on her new album. Cool. And I'm going to see her in like two weeks. So maybe she'll play it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very, it's very well known. Very yeah, well this known. to me is kind of like it's the When Doves Cry of Graffiti Bridge. It's this <laughs> similar kind of use in a similar scene. It's a similar kind of, you know, beaty kind of song. You know, sad, not sad, but like kind of angsty kind of lyrics. But yeah, it's really well produced. You know, you could tell his production, to me anyway, really took a level up from around about Thieves in the Temple. Just there's so many layered vocals on that thing. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's really using his voice and he's made it sound like a choir. Yeah. Great. Because he had two releases of it as well. Like on the like the cassette singles and the the vinyl, the 7-inch, you had These in the Temple and then you had Part 2 on the other side, which was like had little cool guitar solos and stuff. But then you had the CD single and the 12-inch vinyl, which had the full extended remix mm. plus like a... You know, a dub house. version and something Aspects. else, yeah. yeah. Mm. Thieves in the house or something. Yeah. But I really liked the part two version, which was on, like, the, the cassette single and the the seven-inch. The song in general is just all-round killer. Yeah. Oh, the extended version is just great. The video is great. Video is and, 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 and a simple but effective drum part by Prince there, because he's on drums, let's not forget. Um, he's obviously looped it and just kept it going, but it's very spacey. Like it's it's got some great use of the um it's mainly just a snare beat really but it's effective it's effective it's got that sparse sparse I got a um a classic Captain misheard lyric for this one <laughs> oh yeah years and years and years I used to think he was saying uh, when you and Yoda were doing whatever I used to think it was he was talking about Yoda but it's when you and your love 
went away or something. Oh, okay. and, you, and you thought it was Yoda. <laughs> I thought it was Yoda. And I always thought, like, yeah, Prince referenced Star Wars in Thieves in the Temple. <laughs> but, no. You had to wait till lay down. You had to wait till lay down. That, yeah, reference. In. Classic. <laughs> wow. Because I, I was on, like, the forums and people saying, oh, he talks about Purple Yoda. And I'm, like, being all technical. Oh, well, actually, he's talked about Yoda in Thieves in the Temple. And then I looked it up. I'm like, what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Um, so that's that's the fifth greatest song of the 90s. I've only got four to go. So let's hit up this next selection. It's the fourth song, as voted by you, the fourth greatest 90s track. And it's controversial in a sense. Uh, yeah. Who's got this one? Take it away. I do. Okay. It's considered controversial just being in this countdown because technically it is a live version. But it's only ever been released as a live version. But you voted for it, so it's here. Okay. Considered one of Prince's first legitimate successes at rapping. It became a crowd favorite at concerts despite never being officially released. Uh, it was originally going to be on the Gold Experience, but ended up being pulled for unknown reasons. A live version uh-huh. was released. <laughs> on the 1998 Crystal Ball 3-CD set, and another live version was put out from 2002 concert in Montreal, and this song is what? Days of Wild. Yeah. Back down. These are the days of wild. Put them up. Great song. Fantastic. Which incorporates a um, fairly substantial element or part of um, Caravan, the old jazz standard. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I've always considered Days of Wild to be 3121, part one. Yeah, I can see that. Very similar to me. It's a great live song, though, eh? Like- I've never liked this track. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Lies. I'm Lies. So not a song. fan. Great song. Whenever- Just a real, like, romp and stomp and kind of lo- I can you know I can see why he's only released it as a live version because just like I can imagine I've never seen it live but I can imagine being there just like going yeah yeah yawn factor I have to admit no, no. it's yeah. freezer band uh, compared uh, to cool come on <laughs> no no way it's, I think yeah. the, I think the reason this didn't get an album version was because it just couldn't live up to the live version so we thought stuff it I won't put one out it'll only be live maybe Maybe, but it's never it's never really hit any chord with me. I don't even think of it as a song. It's like yeah, a, it is. It's more of a jam. That's right. It's, it's just a jam. It's it's to me. It's like an excerpt of. But you say thirty one twenty one's great, and it's really similar. Thirty one twenty one takes the cake. Yeah, to me, but for me personally, thirty one twenty one is is a, is a much better track than this. Oh, for many many reasons. Now this is the original. That's a pale imitation. Okay. Wider shade of pale. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. John Farnham covered that. <laughs> Not Days of Wild, by the way. <laughs> Days of Wild. Oh, the only thing was when he started doing it, omitting certain words, it just wasn't the same. I have to say though, because I said it wasn't. It's not. A, I don't. I'm not a big fan of this track. It does contain the best Prince rap ever. <laughs> I have to say, the one about spanking that. You know what? When he says, um. Particularly the lines, and if a woman ever said I did, she's a liar and I'm a set-up kid. That is brilliant. Yeah, it's a great line. That is a great line. The whole rap, the whole whole song is great. 
Mm. It's just a great story. It's a great story. Days of Wild. Even just the title, (laughs) even just the name of it sounds so cool. These are the days of wild. It's like, ah, it's so good. Especially the era it came out where it's like, you know, Prince was kind of going underground again, changing his name to a symbol and all this kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, these are the days, you know, like, (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll stick it to them kind of thing. (laughs) So from there, we go on to track number three. Top three. Top three of the 90s. Take it away. It's me, this one. Mr. Main. Yeah, oh, I'm a big fan of this song. But coming from one of the songs that we say has one of the best Prince raps, personally, <laughs> this has a rap in it too. And I've got to say, the lyrics in this rap are just, they're kind of stupid. There's some lines in there. That I just think, <laughs> kind of. What the, the hell is he talking about? It's just, it doesn't really make any sense. It's kind of, he sort of rambles, it sort of goes on. But that's not the point of the song. The point of the song is just the groove of the thing uh, and the chorus, obviously. And it's just totally killer. I don't have a lot of trivia, but recently, very, very recently, uh, this song was actually voted the 25th greatest drum beat of all time, according to musicradar.com. Really? Yeah, the 25th best drum beat of all time. What? Musicradar.com. I want to see that whole list, but how good is that? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, obviously, we're talking about a a real pro drummer here, and that has to be Michael B. Hmm. And to Michael B and Sonny T on this song. Is it Willing and Able? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Bass and drums on this song are just awesome. I love them. I love them. We we, used to, we tried to play a cover of this a couple of years ago when I was in a soul covers band. And it just, it always sounded cheesy because it, if it's not Michael B and Sonny T, it's just not going to work. Hmm. Uh, okay. What else have I got trivia wise? It's the first single from the Symbol album that probably gives a lot of work. Ah. And uh, oh. this song is not about the body, it's about the mind. Okay. Uh, so I'm obviously talking about... Sexy MF. Come here, baby. You sexy mother... Come here, baby. Yeah. You sexy mother... Straight off, I have one question. Yeah. Who actually sang those lyrics in the song? Was it, was it Levi Le- or was it sounds Prince? Like Levi. It sounds like Levi to me. He sings yeah, the, Levi sings like the Levi. chorus. I think Levi sang it in, in some parts and other parts it was Prince. Yeah. Because it, uh, it's definitely Prince like near the end of the song, but at other parts I'm sure it's Levi. I was never sure about that. Oh, it's Prince definitely sings it towards the end when it's all going off. But yeah. um, in the first few times it's just all Levi, I think. But the, what makes this song is the horns. Yeah. The horns the and the horn horns. heads. The yeah. horn heads. Yeah. Now, there's a good album. Go and buy that album if you can find it anyway. That's right. a great album. Washing Dishes. Classic Tony M rap. <laughs> <laughs> I love the rap in this song. Classic Tony M crap. Like what is it? it? Guard your folks and take your daughter. It's just classic. But I love the way, you know, in Prince's rap, he's like saying all this stuff about, you know, being gagged and bound and all this kind of thing and you're a sexy MF and all this. And then at the end, he's like, but it ain't about the body. It's about the mind. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> again, just like, um, I hate you was, you know, probably not the choice. Most people would make for a lead single symbol album. He chooses sexy MF. No, I think that's a great choice. Cause it was, it wasn't a huge hit, but it was like, you know, it's a catchy, uh, chorus and mm. but, you know, a great, yeah, live but let's, let's, pick, line, let's but. pick the song, which radio will have the most problem in playing. Yeah, yeah, it, it brought attention and everyone, to the everyone project. Was, it did. It made so much yeah. pr- promotion for it. It worked in that way. Yeah. But 
so many radio stations were playing their own dodgy edit, and oh, some of them were so bad. Some of them were really bad, yeah. But I think again, it was it was the start of the the war with Warner Brothers, and so you know when it came to choosing a first single, single, I think Prince said, "This is defiant." Gonna... He was defiant. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I think gonna... Warner Brothers was like, well, how are we supposed to play this? It was it was the start of the war. So, you know, it all originated from here. Because think about it, it's not the most radio-friendly track. And they mm-hmm. had a lot of trouble trying to play it. And you came out with all these, like the radio stations made their own edits. It wasn't even like, I mean, Prince eventually issued like a remix with a with a, a sense of version. You had, you had Sexy Mother like, Hour. Yeah, I was and then there was then there was really just bad. sexy mother. Yeah, sexy mother. Yeah, but yeah, it was all too late by the time that came out. And so in the meantime, all the radio stations created their own edits, and it was just really bad. But still, it it it, it made its point. It it did well. Oh, well, what a and, cool video! Yeah. What a cool video! Yeah, yeah, that was it's a great video. MC's kind of quiet on this track. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. it's it's an amazing song. <laughs> <laughs> It's an amazing uh, performance. So amazing, band. you're stunned into silence. No, it's an amazing, it's an amazing band performance. But I just think you know, you guys pretty much said everything there was to say about it. So I'm, I agree, I agree with you guys. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Minus the Tania rap, of course. Oh, get out! <laughs> so. Another thing with this song is just like P Control, the you know maybe the title of the song would not lead you to think what the message of the song actually is. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's I'm true. still trying to figure out what the message is, personally. <laughs> Come here and I'll show you. <laughs> but see, uh, the question is, is this filthy. a song he would play today? Obviously not. He could just sing the sexy mother edit and still sing most of the other lyrics I think and still it's, keep, keep yeah, the no, message no, of the song. There, it, there were reports that like, there was a new studio version that was played in uh, by uh, DJ Rashida at the London uh, after shows. And it was just that, you sexy mother, and then it just stayed silent. And it was, supposedly it was a new studio recording, so, but oh, never released. Wow. I wonder wow. if the um, administration and Nick Jonas joined in on that one. <laughs> you never know. Uh, okay, now down to the final two. The top two greatest print songs of the 1990s, of the 90s era. And I have no idea what they are. Let's hit it off with track number two. That'd be me. Okay. Well, if you've paid attention to the top 20 show, the original top 20 show, we gave this one away. But if you haven't worked it out, I'll give you the clues. It was originally written by Prince shortly before the Diamonds and Pearls tour, but he ended up sending it to someone else initially. That artist then first released it to the world on the 26th of October 1993, but most famously taken back by Prince on the 13th of February 1994 to the point where the person Prince wrote the song Four asked Prince to stop singing his song. Oh, okay. Uh, It charted in July 1994 from a live version performed on a TV special, which aired in 1994. It charted? Yeah, from that performance. It received some R&B airplay, causing it to chart and peak at number 62 on the hot R&B and hip-hop airplay chart. Wow. And... At number 34 in our survey, we've got to break it on down. It is. Shh. That's it. Break it down. I don't want 
John Blackwell's favorite song to drum on nah. uh, on the 2004 <laughs> Musicology tour. Yeah. What a, what a track. Amazing track. Mm. And Again, I guess this, this goes to that saying that the gold experience features very heavily in our list, so check it out if you haven't got it. If you haven't got it, I'd be very surprised if people listening to this show wouldn't have that. We've still got one more track to go, but mm. yeah, mostly it's been Gold Experience and, and Symbol, yeah, which they're, um, they're, not, they're my two favorite albums from the from the 90s. Not entirely surprising. You probably follow, followed closely so far by um, Diamonds and Pearls. Yeah, yeah, that'll be third. Yeah. What I think is interesting about this track is when it was given to Tevin Campbell, it was kind of overlooked. It was kind of one of those songs that was like a, a, a protege song or an associated artist song. It wasn't until Prince took it back and really made it his own that he got the attention that it deserved. You know, uh, let's be honest. W- when I think of this song, I think of the live setting. I don't know about you guys. I just think of the live performance. I this think that's is... why this song's rated so highly as well. Yeah. He's so, pretty much played this live like at all these big shows. Since, yeah. uh, what, 2003, around there? Yeah, so, pretty much. Uh, and to me, it's it's still one of the highlights of the show. A lot of people think the song's called Break It Down, and that's what a lot of people refer it to, that are the casual fans hmm. or the casual people that go to concerts. Oh, yeah, that Break It Down song, that was cool. Mm. <laughs> it was cool. Are we ready for number one? Let's hit it up. Recap. Okay, recap from 10 to 2. Track number 10 was the one... Track 9, Gold. 8 was I Hate You. 7, coming in at, at number 7 with a bullet out of nowhere, out of the blue, was Money Don't Matter Tonight. Then the Worldwide Smash at number 6, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. Woo! Track number 5, one of the most covered Prince songs ever, I think. I've got absolutely no basis for saying this, but track number 5, <laughs> Steve's in the Temple. Then on to the top 4, track number 4, Days Are Wild. Track number three, Sexy MF. Uh, track number two, someone pronounce this for me. Shh. <laughs> Break it down. Shh. At number two. And at number one, the number one greatest Prince song of the 90s era as voted by you is... Okay, I'll give you some trivia. You want some trivia? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I don't, I don't know it. i got to guess it. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you about... <laughs> the lead single from an album that was released in the 90s. This song was a very last-minute addition to the album, supposedly, replacing a song that we have covered in one of our B-Sides shows. Yeah. It is, well, you could say, probably Prince's first hit in the um, the 90s era. It was a hit in the US, in the UK. K reaching number four on the UK singles chart and number 21 on the US Billboard Hot 100. It feels mm. like it was way, way, way more successful than that. It, it was, was big released, in Australia. Yeah, it was big everywhere. It was released on June the 7th yes. on Mr. Nelson's birthday. And just a little bit of more information about it if you haven't got it yet. It's actually a song that has gone undergone much development evolved from many earlier compositions back in the 80s and then also in the 90s, primarily in the 90s. It was actually released uh, not only on Prince's birthday, but it was released in a um, particular package using some fairly interesting writing. Cartoons. Yeah, cartoonish kind of characters in purple with a background of gold, yellowy gold type stuff. Eric Leeds 
is featured on this track playing a very very well known line there's a little bit of guitar uh, plenty of remixes plenty (laughs) probably considered the first real hip hop rap type print song ever it had also previously been released Ah, on the new power generation funky weapon remix EP that's that's the same song totally different song yeah oh no it's a T no, it's just got all the same lyrics. No, it's totally different. It's only got one T in it. Come on. Okay, but before we get into announcing got- the obvious, which is the number one print song of the 90s, we should mention one final piece of trivia. This song was ranked number 97 in VH1's 100 Greatest Songs of the 90s by any artist. Oh. It is. Get up. 23 positions in a one-night stand. Get up. I only call you after if you say I can. Get up. Get up. If you want to, baby, here I am. Get off. Get off. Can you believe it? Great. Unfortunately, I can. <laughs> and that's 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 not to say this is a this is a bad song by any means. But it's. <laughs> no, it's- it's, it's, this is like to me is like Days Wild. Like it's just a jam song that it's all right, but I really don't understand the praise it gets. This song, like it's all right, but it's just a you know a bit of a cheesy jam. Must be very popular with the fans. Must be. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's that it's it's the beat and the bass because like that yeah. hip hop trip hop kind of beat matches the bass, and the bass is so thick. It's so like Michael thick and heavy and almost trance like. And the snare, the the way it's um, it's got all the effects on it. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but there was like an original release that came out like a, quite a few months before the album. Yes. And the drums on that. Yeah, white, that white label. No, no, no. It was. Oh, was it? Oh, well, it's official. It's not. Yeah, like yeah a, it was sent out to clubs and stuff. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the drum beat on that is is heaps better than the drum beat on the. Like, it's basically the same, but it sounds more live. It was the one on Diamonds of Pearls sounds a bit overproduced for me. Mm hmm. I, I'm a big fan of the um, MTV Awards performance hmm. of that song with 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 the, the great costume <laughs> with the ass windows, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that that was a great, that was a great performance. No matter what you think about those pants, that those pants generated so much talk and just just so much you know buzz about Prince. It did and, yeah. and that, that that he was back. And, and look, you can he see he was definitely fun. back. <laughs> he was all back. <laughs> Baby even though, got back. Even though there was a variation of it in the Thieves in the Temple video, I mean that's the the, the yeah. get off performance on the MTV Awards is is what sort of set it all off. The thing I like about Get Off is it started off on the New Power Generation Funky Weapon Remix EP as like the original version of Get Off. And then it turned into half of it turned up in like Glam Slam '91, and then it turns up as a white label in nightclubs, and then it turns up on like you know the biggest album that he'd had in years. It was just cool. It came from here, and then it went to there. Evolution of the track. Evolution. And then it we'll turned into colorized. a cheesy. Then it turned into a cheesy disco song on the rave performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of did uh, towards the end. Yeah. It did. Mm. Yeah, that's right. But it's this is late night listening. It's like frivolous. Yeah. It's kind of when I hear it, I think tongue firmly in cheek as well. So. And there's only two other higher tracks than this, and that's 
the question of you enjoying repetition. I just want to say something about this show. I'm quite surprised that the song Seven didn't make it into the list. Mm. Yeah. Like, uh, like, it, like if you take songs like um, Peak, Peak Control. Control and all that, and then Seven's not there. So The one that stuck out, uh, stood out to me was Come On, that that didn't make it because that's normally a song that gets heaps of props when people post stuff about favorite songs from the 90s. So I was surprised that didn't make it. I think Seven's a song that Prince likes a lot more than he thinks we do. Nah, that's a great song. That's that's another anthemic song. I'm surprised Seven didn't make it. I'm really surprised that Love to the Nines didn't make it. Mm. I'm just I'll just say that I'm surprised that Peach didn't make it either. The other thing that's surprising is nothing from Emancipation, mm. and that's it. That's our top twenty. Done. All right. Any shoutouts? Yes. Squirrel Grease. Yeah, Squirrel Grease. Uh, Joshy. Welcome back, Joshy. It's been a few. It's been a while. Joshy eighty four AU, as I remember. Yes, and <laughs> Fraggle Rock. Thank you for everything. Fraggle Rock, yeah. And thank you to Michael Dean and his crew for their support as well. And that's about it. And this is going to be the last Peach and Black podcast episode for a long, long time. So if you want to hear us back in two thousand eleven, we're going to look for the ladder. MCs. <laughs> this is our last show of the year. Slide, get up. Twenty-three positions in a one-night stand. Get up. I only call you after if you say I can. Get up. Let a woman be a woman and a man be a man. Get up. If you want to, baby, here I am. Come on. Talented boy. Everything about you just screams of a real sexy affair. Ooh, yeah. And that's the way you walk, the way you flip your hair. You know it's hot. Baby girl, I'm all veins when I'm scoping that body rare. Oh, Badger, I'm a 
pack our lunch and spend a while there. Oh, yeah. You want to eat? Ribs. I'm a toy, I don't serve ribs. You better be happy that dress is still on. I heard the rip when you sat down. Honey, them hips is gone, but that's alright. I clock them that way. Mind me of something James used to say. I like them fat. I like them proud. You gotta have a mother for me. Now move your big ass around this way so I can work on that zipper, baby. Tonight. You're a star, and I'm a big dipper. With the dress half on, I zip it far enough to see the crack of dawn. Don't worry about the bust, I'm gonna lock up every door. Then we can do it in the kitchen, on the floor, in the bathroom, standing on a tub and holding on the rod. You're in the closet underneath the clothes, and oh my god, it's 23 positions in a one night stand. 